Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. The Satellite Sisters Word Ride Festival is brought to you by Elizabeth the First Wife, the new novel by Leon Dolan. Celebrate the release of this romantic comedy by entering the Summer with Shakespeare sweepstakes. Win a weekend in Ashland, Oregon, courtesy of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, the Ashland Springs Hotel, and Prospect Park Books. For more information, go to SatelliteSisters.com. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. are listening to the Satellite Sisters, our special edition Word Write Festival, where we interview authors of recent books of fiction and nonfiction. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California. My sister Julie Dolan is in Dallas, Texas. And today our guest is Tracy Beckerman. You may recognize that name because she has a syndicated column called Lost in Suburbia in like 400 newspapers across the country. She has a new mom war out, love that, uh, called Lost in Suburbia. Suburbia, and she's talking to us from Suburbia. Hi, Tracy. Welcome to Satellite Sisters. Thank you so much. And I noticed that you didn't mention the fact that I'm from New Jersey, and I'm not sure if they meant not to say that. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know what? We we love Jersey. We have relatives from New Jersey, Tracy. We have no issues with New Jersey. We're Connecticut girls ourselves. Okay. Well, we're certainly all spread out, aren't we? We've got one of us on each coast and one right in the middle. Putting I, the satellite in Satellite Sisters is I what we always say. That's amazing. So well, Tracy, Tracy go ahead, Joel. Say this: you are funny, <laughs> Tracy. You are very, very funny. <laughs> I want to know where does your sense of humor come from? Did you grow up in a funny family, or or did you just develop it when you moved to suburbia? Well, you know, there's like there's like funny, haha, and then there's funny, strange. And I would say my family is probably more along the lines of funny, strange. Um, I actually didn't even know that I was funny until after my kids were born. Um, and you wouldn't think that that would make you, um, you know, funny, but kids are very funny. And, you know, once you discover that they can be really, um, humorous rather than just exhausting, um, I think it actually makes the whole parenting thing a lot more fun too. But no, I, before I had kids, I used to write promos for TV news and it was all like death and destruction. Like, you know, tonight, could your dry cleaners be killing you? Yeah. You know, and, and and so they used to call me the queen of fear. I mean, it was literally, I was always telling about, you know, these horrible things that could happen to you on the, you know, through the news. And then after I had the kids, I just started to, um, I don't know, I guess that, that funny bubble just kind of burst out of me. So is your household now, Are you, uh, would your kids describe their family as funny or funny strange? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> to use yeah. her terminology, Tracy. Yeah, no, you know, definitely a little bit of both. I mean, they admit that it is like a lot of fun growing up here. And we do, we have a lot of laughs, especially at the dinner table. You know, we're one of those ridiculous families that actually makes the point to sit down and have dinner together every night. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, it's getting a lot more challenging now. My kids are getting older, they're teens, and everybody's going in different directions. But, you know, my husband walks out the door in the morning. He's like, see everybody for family dinner. And we're like, okay, honey. You know, and then we all kind of snicker behind his back when he walks out the door. Um, but, um, yeah, it is it is a lot of fun out here, especially when you throw in all the animals and the exploding appliances and, you know, just general life in suburbia. 
you, the title of the subtitle of your memoir, Lost in Suburbia, is How I Got Pregnant, Lost Myself, and Got My Cool Back in the New Jersey Suburbs. So, Tracy, we're going to need like a before and after. How cool were you? And then how low did it go when you were uncool in the suburbs? Yeah, there it was. It was a pretty dramatic change. <laughs> I mean, I lived in the city. I was I had a very cool illegal sublet, and I had you know cool haircut and great clothes. That I got at sample sales and this really cool job, um, you know, working in television. Um, and I saw, you know, worked with a lot of celebrities and stuff. And, um, you know, so I kind of had all that going on. And then I think things started to, um, digress when I got pregnant because it's just, it's so hard to be cool when you're pregnant, you know, things just start expanding in all different kinds of directions. And I was not one of those cute pregnant women. I was one of those huge pregnant women um, and, uh, then after the, my son was born, I, I kind of got a little cool back. I went back to work, but when we moved to the suburbs, it all went to hell in a handbasket. I mean, it was just, we got out here. I got immediately pregnant with my daughter again, and then, um, got even fatter and started wearing mom jeans. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. No. We, had, we, had, we all had those. Well, maybe <laughs> Ian didn't. She really hung on to cool for a long time, but crazy. I was never cool. So I, I actually <laughs> deliberately bought mom jeans. So yes, I know the, I know the pants you're talking about. High-waisted, sort of yeah. tapered at yeah. the leg. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they make your butt look so big, it should have its own zip code. Um, it's a, uh, yeah, really unfortunate design there. Um, you know, everybody thinks that these make you look smaller because they're kind of cinched at the waist. But what they actually do is make everything kind of from the waist down look much bigger. And, you know, you, you should realize that if you're buying jeans out of a bin at Costco, that they're probably not likely to be really flattering on you. That's true. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'm actually starting to feel sorry for Kim Kardashian. You know, I'm starting to have a slight bit of uh, empathy for her when you mentioned nobody is cool when they're pregnant. I just feel like saying, Kim, enough with the fitted dresses. Just I move know. on. Accept that things are going to be rough or just disappear for three months. The, the, the leather poplin shirts. And yeah, it's just um, it's so unfortunate. Her and Jessica Simpson. But, you know, it, it's actually good, I think, in a way, because it makes the rest of us feel better. That's <laughs> That's true. I mean, you know, I feel bad for her, but then I could say, <laughs> oh, well, at least because all the time you see these pictures of these celebrities and they have these tiny little bellies and they're back to their same weight, you know, a day after they give birth. And it's just an impossible um, suit to follow. You know, it's just real people don't look like that. No, I know. I find the whole trend of like getting your pre-baby body back in like three weeks incredibly disturbing. Okay. That's and just I not healthy or good for anybody, uh, least of all the mothers who are trying to do it. No. And I, and I didn't even try between kids. So I had all that <laughs> extra weight too. But I think you were talking about the ultimate uncool was, you know, I, I went with the mom jeans. I grew my hair out into a mom bob. Oh, which yeah. Really also, also very unattractive. And I held it back with a hair scrunchie. Oh, no. so, oh, oh this wait. This gets never... worse and worse, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and ultimately, my, you know, my bottom was when I got stopped by a cop driving my son to school and I was wearing my bathrobe. That um, is a low, that is the lowest moment in Lost in Suburbia. I, I think um, those of us who have been mothers in suburbia feel your pain at that moment. Although I have to say, never did I have, did I wear a bathrobe in the car. So... But it's yeah. a cautionary tale, no doubt. I mean, because we've all thought about wearing our bathrobe in, uh, to do the carpool, right? You just, you feel so safe in there. Like, who's going to discover you, you know? It's like what are the chances you're going to get a ticket at 7 in the morning? I know. Well, the, I, I beat the odds. Um, so, and, but that wasn't even, like, the most embarrassing moment I ever had with the police in my town. I think the most embarrassing moment was the time that 
when I started working uh, like a couple years later and I was writing uh, stories for the local newspaper, I had to go interview the chief of police and a couple of other police officers. And while I was talking to them, one of the chief of police actually reaches over and he says, you've got something stuck in the hood of your sweatshirt. And I said, oh, you know, I got these laundry issues. It must be static cling. So he peels this thing out of the back of my sweatshirt and he's standing there holding a pair of my black thong underwear. No way. No. So that, no. Was me, it was me and the chief and like three other cops and we're all standing there <laughs> staring at him holding my <laughs> underwear. And I was like, I'm just, my face is burning. I have no idea what to say. So I just say the first thing that pops into my head. I grabbed them and I said, oh, those are my husband's. <laughs> I'm impressed though you were wearing thong underwear. I have to be perfectly honest. Yeah. <laughs> if, you know, your book is very funny, uh, but there are actually some kind of dark moments and, um, you write really very movingly and very in a real way about your struggle with identity. And I think a lot of new mothers, um, like to hear those stories that you can make it through this feeling that you're lost in suburbia, but you write about something in the book called a suburban shift. And I found that very true. What did you mean by that to you personally, the term suburban shift? When did I say that? Oh I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it's a good phrase. You yeah, should, you okay. should, uh, you should work that up in yeah, your, this is, this is terrible. It's like all those brain cells that I lost in childbirth are like coming back to haunt me now. Well, it's I thought like, it was a I good phrase. That, it's when you're talking about that you actually suffered, um, depression and you were, uh, you were given some antidepressants. It was kind of a moment when you were really wondering what was happening with you. Yeah. You know, it was when I, when I, called this whole thing lost in suburbia it was really it's a metaphor you know because um people would say to me oh well i don't live in 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 the suburbs i'm like but it doesn't matter where you live because i think that after you have kids um it's you get lost and uh, for most people you know Mm -hmm. so you could be lost in suburbia geographically but also kind of lost in suburbia existentially and kind of that's more about i definitely struggled when i got to the suburbs kind of finding my own friend group there and fitting in and learning how to drive again without like taking out mailboxes and things like that. But for me, it was, it was really more about um, losing my identity because I had been so defined by the job that I had done before. And this, you know, image I had of myself of being this cool city chick. And after I had the kids and there was just nothing cool about me anymore, um, I really didn't know who I was anymore. And I was like, I would go to parties and introduce myself as like, oh, yeah, I'm Tracy. I used to be a TV producer. Because, you know, the first, when you first meet people, they say, what's your name? What right, do you do? Right. You know, it's like the first thing that you're asked. And I found that when I would say I'm home with my kids, they'd get this glazed look in their eye and go find somebody else more interesting to talk to. And I felt like, you know, isn't this interesting that in society puts this huge emphasis on how amazing it is for women to be able to stay home with their kids if they have the choice to do that. And it's the best thing you can do for your kids. But then when you start telling people that you're actually doing that, that they don't have anything to say to you. So we're really like this mixed message. Um, And I really struggled with that. I think that one of the things that was great for me about my job was I got a lot of external validation. And you know, when you become a mom, you get no zero, zero X and your whole experience. It was Tracy, what, what surprised me was you were sort of having your kids and starting, um, your newspaper column and figuring out your life there in suburbia while we were, I was pretty much on the same track as you, same age, same age kids. And we were working at satellite sisters at the time doing our radio show. 
and we had a producer in New York. We were in public radio at the time, and we had a you know a young male producer in New York, and we had to do theme shows for I don't know why. Every hour had a theme, and so we decided to do the theme of home. And I pitched a story idea about um, my friend Mona, who had been like a hip young stylist uh, in Portland and then moved to a um, a tract home in, in Arizona and how she had found herself lost in suburbia. And this male producer looked at me and he said, no, nobody cares about women in suburbia. And I was so shocked because I thought, hey, we're working with the wrong people because we're, that's kind of what our show is aimed at or just women in general. And two, like I care about women in suburbia, but you're right. I mean, it isn't just on a sort of cocktail party level. There was this just an overarching media theme that no one really cared about that experience. And yet, isn't it ironic now that everyone cares about women in suburbia because you were sort of pre-mommy blog. We were kind of pre-mommy blog. And now women in suburbia are the thing. Right. Well, it's interesting because I think the, you know, the, the marketers, the brands, they woke up to the fact that these women are their consumers, their buying audience. And, you know, the best way to reach moms is through other moms, um, which is why, you know, the bloggers are doing so well now. And I think, you know, my column is reaching a lot of people. I get a lot of brands come to me and say, you know, we want to advertise on your site or, you know, we want to sponsor you or would you do a product review? And I say, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. not, I'm not interested in doing that because I, you know, I kind of feel like I'm a writer first and what right. I want to come want to keep that creative, um, outlet pure for myself and get paid for, you know, writing what I think and what I see rather than about somebody else's products. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. I think people who do it and do it, do it brilliantly are great. And I'm really excited for them, but it's just not my thing. But at least that experience of being a mother in suburbia is being validated in some way that just wasn't around 10 or 15 years ago, really. Absolutely. But even so, I mean, even if you are working part-time in some capacity and you still tell people that, you know, primarily you're home with your kids, um, it's, uh, I think if you're having that conversation with somebody who's working full time, sometimes you're going to get sort of that glazed look in response. Um, and it's really a shame that, you know, there isn't more validation for what we're doing because it is such an incredible thing. Um, for me, what I realized was, yes, I love being home with my kids and I wouldn't trade it off for anything, but I needed a li I needed something else too. It couldn't just be that. And even though I'll always put my family first, I wanted to have something that I could do that was just for me too. And that's why I started doing the writing. Yeah. It was kind of accidental, though, your column, right? As I as I read it in the book, it was like you just had a singular experience with your daughter that you thought, oh, I haven't really written in quite a while. I'm going to give it a whirl. And you mailed it into a local newspaper, and it was it was published. I thought that was just an incredibly great story. Very inspirational. It was, it was pretty cool. You know, it's really nice when whatever your second act is kind of comes organically out of something else that you're doing. Like I knew that I wanted to go back to work and I wanted to do something creative, but I didn't want to commute back into the city. And I wanted to have a job that, you know, if my kids were homesick, then I didn't have to worry about you know, getting childcare or, um, you know, if I need to take them to the dentist. So I was racking my brain. What can I do? What can I do? And then my, my, it was actually my son came home and something funny had happened at school. Oh, wow. And I don't know what inspired me to sit down and write about it. And then I'm like, well, what am I going to do with this thing now? And I saw the local paper sitting on the floor. I'm like, I'll send it to the local newspaper. Um, and then they contacted me afterwards and they said, you know, that was great. Do you have any more? I'm like, more what kids? <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> <laughs> I really, you said, yes, I did. Didn't you, did you say yes immediately? 
I did. I said, oh, yeah, tons, even though I hadn't written anything else. And then I said to my husband, I think I could, you know, make something out of this. He says, go for it, honey. When's dinner? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. You also write in your book about uh, what I what we call at Satellite Sisters, finding your own people, that when you got to New Jersey, you were really seeking out sort of other like-minded women. And right. uh, having moved 13 times, Tracy, I have gone through that same experience where you you're trying to find your people and it's sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's not that easy. How did you do it in suburbia? You know, it's so funny because when, when we moved out here and I was having trouble connecting with other women, my husband's like, what's so hard? You know, there's moms all over the place. Go join a play group or something. And I said, you know, just because we both had the ability to like birth babies doesn't mean that I'm going to get along with every other woman who had children. <laughs> it's like, you seem to think that it's like, oh, we will just all get around and, you know, we'll instantly be friends because we have vaginas. Can I say that on your radio show? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> um, you can edit that out. Um, and, uh, you know, and it was so funny because there, there are a lot of people that I wouldn't have been friends with before they had kids. So just by virtue of the fact that we had kids didn't mean I was going to like them either. It takes and a while to figure that out, though, doesn't it? You have a couple of like awkward play dates. You're like, OK, this is not my thing. No, I know. I just can't sit around here for an hour and talk about cleaning products yeah. or diaper wipes. You know, that's not working for me. And then there was like this whole group that was really into playing tennis and that wasn't my thing. And then there was this group that really liked to abandon their children and go shopping at the mall. And that wasn't my thing. Um, so I was really looking for other women who had left the workforce and could relate to that experience. And also were really into some of the things I had left behind and was longing for when we moved to the suburbs, you know, theater and film and obviously there are movies in the suburbs but you know more art film stuff and uh, my husband kept calling me a snob I'm like I'm not a snob I just need my people I gotta find my people yeah and um, ultimately what happened was I you know I did find a friend through um, one of these mommy and me groups and um, you know I could I saw her across the room and it was one of those like aha moments yeah you know like she was also had like short hair and was wearing all black and looked really disgusted. And I knew we could immediately be friends. <laughs> so, um, your soulmate. And then, yeah, so she brought, sister. she brought me to a play group with her and I liked, um, two out of the other three people who were there. Um, and the third one you'll read about in the book who peanut free Cheryl, mm -hmm. um, okay. who, you know, I did not connect with on any level. She actually became my nemesis. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, again, though, that's good for your material. Everybody oh. needs a, a momesis or whatever. Oh. A momesis. I like that. <laughs> we are talking to Tracy Beckerman. Her new memoir is Lost in Suburbia. She has a great blog, too, and she writes a nationally syndicated newspaper column by the same name, Lost in Suburbia. Um, Tracy, you're out and about talking to a ton of different people. You are on a book tour now, and we're going to put all that information, links to Tracy's site, her book, and her many appearances at SatelliteSisters.com. But I am impressed because you are having some fun on your book tour. You're doing it at blowout bars. You're having cupcakes. <laughs> Is it fun for you to, like, get out and about? I mean, you know, you can confess to us. Isn't it fun to leave the family sometimes? You know what? I, I actually have been missing them a lot. Oh, okay. All right. I've never done this much traveling since my kids were born, and it's been pretty intense. And I kind of waited a number of years to do this book, knowing that there was going to be, you know, a big marketing push involved. And I really wanted to wait until both my kids were older, and it would be less of an issue. I mean, we really, my husband and I have a kind of a history of trading off. 
when um, I was working at CBS and I had a full-time job and a paycheck, that's when he started his business and we were living off my money and, you know, my insurance and everything. And then when we had the kids and I decided I want to stay home with the kids, it was his turn, you know, to do the, the hard, the heavy lifting in terms of bringing the income in and everything. And now um, the kids are older and I said, you know, I really want to push hard to kind of make a go of this book thing. He said, okay, it's my turn again. You take some time and, um, you know, I'll hold down the fort. So it's been incredible to have his support for this. And the kids have been great, too. I mean, as long as I don't write about them anymore, they're really happy to support me. Right, right. There does definitely comes a time. You know what, though? I, I thought that was um, I, well done in Lost in Suburbia because it's really about your role and not so much them. Right. Yeah. You know, for a for a 300 page memoir, the children are actually mentioned very little. And I appreciated that you seem to really respect the privacy of your family a lot, which is hard to do when you're mining your own life for material. Yeah, it is interesting. They are sort of incidental. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But but it is my story. And, you know, I, I have this conversation with them a lot. Like recently, my son got his college acceptances. And he said to me, why don't you tell everybody? And I said, I'm not going to tell them. It's your, it's your news to share. I'm not going to share it. You know, go have fun. Let everybody know where you're going to school. And it, but it took me a while to learn that lesson. I mean, I think a lot of the mom bloggers really struggle with, you know, the boundaries and what, what's mine to tell and how much can I share and all of that. And um, I learned that lesson early on with my kids because I overshared about my daughter when she was seven years old. And it was very hurtful for her. She was Mm -hmm. very upset and embarrassed about something I had written. So from that moment on, I promised them that I would always run um, whatever I was writing about them, past them first. And if they weren't okay with it, then I wouldn't run it. Um, and then Tracy, do you have the same policy with your dog? Because I think that you're real. I mean, your kids, you uh, clearly have some boundaries, but your poor dog, he's really, or she is, I mean, and what is the role of a pet in, in your blog and in your memoir? You know what? The dog brings it on himself. He really, (laughs) if you're going to chew up my kitchen wall, I'm going to call you out in my column. Um, It's funny because a couple of years ago, um, I said to my husband, you know, the kids are getting older. They don't, they're not that funny anymore. They don't want me to write about them. I said, it's, it's come down to just you and the dog. And then the dog died. And I was like, no, well, now what am I going to do? My husband's like, oh, my God, I'm in big trouble here. So, um, you know, I couldn't invent new children, but I did get a few more pets, and we got another dog. But the whole thing about Lost in Suburbia is that it's never just about – it's never been just about being a mom. It's never just been about my kids because I think that – Anybody who uh, lives in the suburbs knows that being lost in suburbia is about all the house stuff that happens, you know, and the pets and the, the, the weird neighbors. And, you know, I guess that's probably true in the city, too. You have a lot of weird neighbors in the city. But it's just been the whole experience of sort of being a woman in the suburbs with kids, with a husband, with a dog, you know. We know. We totally know it. Well, Tracy Beckerman, it's been a pleasure to talk to you today on Satellite Sisters. I wish you all the best of luck with Lost in Suburbia. Again, all the information about Tracy's books, link to her fun blog, link to her events and appearance schedule will be at SatelliteSisters.com, or you can just go to LostInSuburbia.com. Tracy, best of luck with everything. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. It was fun. 
I'm Leon Dolan of the Satellite Sisters, and I invite you to spend your summer with Shakespeare. That's right, two opportunities to spend a little time with the bard in your bikini. First off, my book, Elizabeth the First Wife. It's just out now, and it's the story of Elizabeth Lancaster, a Shakespeare professor at Pasadena City College, who gets involved again with her ex-husband, F.X. Fahey, a famous movie actor who wants to stage an avant-garde production of A Midsummer Night's Dream at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. The two go off to Ashland, Oregon, and chaos, hilarity, romance ensues. Now you have your chance to win your own historic Shakespearean weekend in Ashland, Oregon. That's right. Thanks to our sponsors, the Ashland Springs Hotel, the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, and Prospect Park Books, we are giving away a fantastic prize, a weekend for two in Ashland, Oregon in August. You get three nights at the beautifully restored Ashland Springs Hotel. It's in the book, and it's in downtown Ashland. Perfect for dinner for two at their award-winning Lark's Restaurant and just a stone's throw from the beautiful theaters of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Well, you'll be treated to not one but two Shakespearean classics, A Midsummer Night's Dream and The Taming of the Shrew. And just in case you haven't read Elizabeth the First Wife by the time you end up in Ashland, I'm going to throw in a personally signed copy of my book. I know you're going to want to enter for your chance to experience Ashland through the eyes of Elizabeth Lancaster, but don't delay because the contest ends June 30th, this summer, June 30th, 2013. So go straight to SatelliteSisters.com and look for the banner ad at the top of the homepage. You'll see it. There's a big picture of Shakespeare on it, and it says, Click here to enter the Summer with Shakespeare sweepstakes. Thanks to the Ashland Springs Hotel, the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, and Prospect Park Books for making Summer with Shakespeare possible. We're back. We're the Satellite Sisters. This is the Word Ride Festival. We are celebrating the written word all spring and summer here with authors of fiction and nonfiction. We have a great lineup for all the information. You can always go to SatelliteSisters.com. Happy to talk to Tracy Beckerman, Lost in Suburbia. Uh, very it, funny. She's very she's, funny. But yeah. you know what I thought, Leanne? She was, she is a, like a fearless mom. You know what I mean? I mean, she moved to suburbia. She did it for her family. She wasn't sure she was going to fit in. And she just figured out how to make it work for her and to do, and to end up doing what she really loves, which is writing and to creating a life where she could write about her, you know, about her life it, wherever she was. And I, you know, hats off to her. And in many ways, she reminds me very differently, but of you, Liam, because oh. I, think you've been, I think you've been very fearless about um, the choices that you've made in your life, that the, it was always really important for you to write and to have that as an outlet, and that you have made choices to make sure that you could always do that. And sometimes, you know, you did it when it wasn't easy. And I know that you ended up writing and early in the morning, late at night. And, you know, you've, you've been very fearless about that. And, and like Tracy, I think you've, you both have managed to keep your cool, uh, both figuratively and very specifically too. Oh, Julie, thank you very much. Yeah. You know, I hadn't really thought about that. I mean, I was struck reading the book that we definitely, as she mentioned, she has a high school senior as do I obviously. So we really were like having kids at the same time and carving out that career. And now I think, do you remember life before, you know, blogging? Well, it existed and, and it wasn't, 
it wasn't necessarily the most obvious choice to spend time writing a column about your life in suburbia or when I started writing the Chaos Chronicles for Working Mother magazine, you know, that was kind of a new way of writing. And five or six years later, um, you know, the blogs became all the rage and, and women were allowed to sort of express their lives, the good and the bad of being moms uh, in their own way. And so, but I was, I was struck by the similarities of our story just in terms of timing and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, and she really is having a fun book tour. There's margaritas, there's cupcakes, there's blowouts. Um, I wish I could well, steal some of her ideas. But speaking of book tours, Leanne, you've got one coming up yourself. I know. A ton for Elizabeth, the first wife. Um, you just uh, you heard all about the summer with Shakespeare sweepstakes. I want to encourage you to enter that. I want to encourage you to check out the appearance page on almost every every website under the Satellite Sisters Mudbath Production branded umbrella uh, has my appearances. You can find it also on my Facebook author page. I'm trying to update those. And from now until July, uh, I'm appearing a lot of places too. I enjoy the travel. I... <laughs> I, I did appreciate when Tracy said she had to wait till her kids were older. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought when Helen came out and I did literally like 120 appearances over a year. I thought I could not have done this if the kids were five years younger. You know, yeah. they needed to be old enough to drive and somehow get their own dinner together and, and stuff like that because otherwise I just literally couldn't have afforded to do it. I would have had to hire a babysitter. And uh, But I'm happy. I'm happy to leave now. <laughs> But see, I, see when, I, when Tracy was saying that, you know, um, she, you know, she misses her family, but now they're older and she's leaving them, you know, alone. I was like, I'm not sure I'm, I would such a good idea to leave the high school senior at home. Okay, it's just from personal experience. Okay, the father's like, there. She made very clear to say the father was there. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, believe, to, believe me, I know. He would love to be left alone in, quote, unquote, in charge. Okay, for more of the Satellite Sisters Word Ride Festival, you can find us, of course, at SatelliteSisters.com. Lots of authors coming up. We always love to hear uh, from you, too, what books you're reading, um, and we hope that you pick up some of these books by the authors we're profiling. Uh, Julie, happy reading. We've got some I more will. to do, so uh, we better get back to it. Sounds good, Leanne, and talk to you soon. All right. Don't forget, call your satellite sister. <laughs>